1: Here it is.
2: Messi! How
0: you doing, people? What's going on? We cold-opened you there with some sports, uh, because Lionel Messi, who is arguably the greatest soccer player of all time. Brock, you're saying absolutely the greatest soccer player of all time who played most of his career in Europe for Barcelona, won the World Cup last year. Uh, He is now here in Miami in the free state of Florida. And that was his first game yesterday. And as you can see, Uh, He won it for him. Not bad. I don't know that those pink uniforms had anything to do with Barbie, but Barbie has apparently taken over the entire world. I am a grown adult, so I have not seen the Barbie Barbie movie, Uh, although I did watch Flash Gordon with the kids over the weekend. So that's how I roll. Uh, Interestingly, David Beckham happens to own the Miami team. Did you know that? Anywho... Uh, that's going to sort of set us up. The, the realignment of things, people moving to places where freedom is, all that good stuff is going to set us up for the show. If you don't know what you're watching, you're watching The Rubin Report. I'm Dave Rubin. It's July 24th, uh, 2023. We're live streaming on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Share and subscribe, if you have not already. Post-game show at RubenReport.locals.com after the show. And as you are keenly aware, ladies and gentlemen, this is my last week on the grid. We are rolling into August, so Thursday will actually be our last show. We are doing a Miami meetup that night with the locals community. So you can join the locals community if you want to join us for some, uh, some drinks and some food and some good times in a sweltering, it's rather warm uh, in August to late July, August in, uh, in Miami. Uh, but that's all right. If you want to join us, and, uh And then I'm off the grid till August 23rd. I come back in Milwaukee at the big... First Republican debate, uh, we got Nikki Haley's going to join us. Governor DeSantis is going to join us. We're working on a couple of the other candidates and it's going to be a big setup. I'll come back having no idea what's going on for a couple of weeks. Get right to it. Debate all that good stuff. Uh, and I thought what we would talk about today uh, would be this sort of realignment that I'm always talking about and, and the, the mid range people the people that are maybe between, say, uh, uh, you know, the Bill Maher RFK types and then let's say the Jordan Peterson, Dave Rubin types, that there is this group of people who are roughly trying to make sense of some of this stuff. And yesterday, if you didn't see it, uh, last night, actually, on the Bill Maher Podcast Club Random, uh, Jordan Peterson uh, sat down with Bill for about an hour and forty-five minutes. We're going to show you a couple of clips and then kind of relate that to all of the realignments that are happening. Because Ron DeSantis was on Russell Brand's show a couple day a couple days ago. Uh, Vivek was on the All In podcast, which is mostly Democrats except for David Sachs. So a whole bunch of people are trying to piece this thing together. Maybe we all don't have the same candidate. Maybe we all don't feel exactly the same way about abortion, this or that, or the other thing. Uh, But we are all realizing that uh, this experiment is pretty good and we would like it to continue. So that's what we're doing today. Let me talk to you about My Patriot Supply and then we will get to it. Guys, as you know, our world can change in a moment's notice. We're currently on the brink of economic collapse and it is scary. But if you don't think you need emergency food right now, wait a day and see what happens. Just don't wait too long. Because as I speak, preparewithruben.com is offering a huge discount on their best-selling three-month emergency food kit. For a limited time, you'll save 25% per kit. That's the biggest discount they offer, but it doesn't come along every day and it won't last. So do yourself a favor and grab your 25% discount on each three-month emergency food kit you need. It includes delicious breakfasts, lunches, dinners, and more, providing over 2,000 calories every day. Get at least one kit per person in your family. Grab your 25% discount today before this offer expires. You get fast and free shipping too. Go to preparewithrubin.com, or you may regret it, preparewithrubin.com. And now back to me. Okay, so these new alignments, they're happening. They're happening publicly. They're happening in all of our personal lives. We're realizing, hey, we've got to get out of this, as I always call it endless descent to hell, right? This is a problem. Uh, So anyway, I was elated to see last night that Jordan Peterson sat down with Bill Maher. And Jordan, this was about 40 minutes in. It took them about a half hour. It was actually very similar to when I sat down with Bill, where for the first half hour, we're kind of feeling each other out. Like you kind of got to get the vibe. What's going on here? Maybe we disagree on some stuff. Oh no. Uh, But then about 40 minutes in, they started started locking in, locking in. And then it got really kind of, Uh, thoughtful and interesting after that. Uh, Jordan actually posed Bill a question. He uh, asked him, when does the left go too far?
3: I could ask you a question that I've I've asked like 40 Democrat senators and congressmen and Robert F. Kennedy, by the way, recently, this question. It's a very hard question, and I don't ask it just, you know, to cause trouble. I'm actually curious. I am ready. (laughs) When do you think the left goes too far?
4: May I use my lifeline? You, yeah, absolutely, uh, <laughs> absolutely. Call the people who know. Who know? Okay. Um, what I mean, you mean they have it already? Well, I but mean, how do you know? Like, how, what, how, what's a marker for you? When Trump gets you? reelected, that's when you know.
3: What would you regard as behavior on the left that's unacceptable from the perspective of someone who's essentially liberal? How long
4: have you got? I mean, the theme I've been trying to. Promulgate as much as I can the last five years, partly just in self defense of people who say I've changed, I have not, Mm -hmm. is that wokeness is not something that expands on liberalism. It's something that undoes it. And I think you are on the same page generally. So they completely invert it and then they get mad at us. For somehow we're conservatives now? No, we're not conservatives. You're just not what liberals are. You're doing a different thing, which is fine. We're all allowed to do our thing, but you can't do this whole different thing and then st- take the term that used to apply but doesn't apply anymore.
0: Okay so jordan who's been on this quest and as he said he's talked to like 50 big time democrats he was really working to see if there was any political will within the democrat party to push the radicals out and unfortunately uh, i think he has found that that will does not exist that the entire thing has been just sort of rotted from the inside says to to Bill, well, what do you see as those excesses? Now it's obvious what Bill sees. And I always give credit for as much as I criticize Bill, I give credit where credit is due. And he's always going after them on gender and race and all of those things. It's interesting, this idea of I didn't change, which is something that Bill always says. And it's funny because you would think like for a liberal atheist, the idea of not changing wouldn't necessarily be something that you'd be kind of proud of, right? Like you'd be like, oh, I'm the thoughtful one. I can change along the times. I would say that's a little more in line with what I've done where I've sort of found common cause with conservatives that I might have some differences with. But in essence, regardless of that, Bill is actually sort of doing that with Jordan. That's why he's sitting down with those people and he was very, it was very obvious how much he respects the guy and everything else. Uh, but Jordan was asking the question because he wanted to see in essence, well, Bill, what makes you still Vote for these people. Let's move on to the next clip because you'll see how we link all these together. Uh, because Jordan starts talking about how this really isn't—we're always focused on politics, right—and it's why I'm always veering in and out of the little racehorse politics some days, and then the cultural stuff another days. That this isn't necessarily just a political battle; it's actually a cultural battle.
3: So there's a line of research that's been developing, I guess, over the last six or seven years that I think is very relevant to this, and because I've I've been thinking more and more thoroughly that the culture war is actually not a political battle at all, that the political battle is a facade for the actual battle. And there's a very high correlation between the dark tetrad personality traits and left-wing authoritarianism. So, So that's why I think it's not fundamentally political, is that what's happening is that there's a small minority of people who are very manipulative, who use compassion as a camouflage, And then people who are generally and genuinely uh, compassionate, they can be manipulated easily. And so, and that's not, that's why you're seeing, that's part of the reason you're seeing this deviation deviation from more classical liberalism. There's no better camouflage for someone who's truly dark
0: than compassion. Right. Right. Right, right. So I love that clip because it's Jordan at his best explaining a very deep, complex idea to Bill, who you can see he's getting it at the end, the way he says, right, right. So what's going on here is that the, the people who are really kind of screwy, and Jordan goes into uh, all of the psychological conditions that can lead to all of that, right? That their behavior online and the anonymity that uh, online life affords is actually being weaponized against the people who are genuinely compassionate. So the liberals, all your liberal friends who are watching this, who are just the normal liberals, the old school classical liberals, who put tolerance at the top of that hierarchy, they have been abused and manipulated by the activist base. And the activist base, again, because it uses the cover of anonymity, you have this crazy force that nobody seems to be able to stop. And then what Jordan's saying is, then our politicians, are really just a facade for what the real fight is about. There's a real fight that's going on within all of us. Our behavior is how we're all reacting to reality as it's now given to us by algorithms and a whole bunch more. And the politicians just sort of behave within that. They're just reacting to it, but they're not the drivers of all of this stuff, which I, I was glad to see Bill kind of like picking up on that, sort of that notion. Uh, there was one other nice moment I wanna to throw to here, which uh, was Bill just telling Jordan how happy he was that he was back and that there is this group of people trying to make sense of some of this stuff.
4: Can't tell you how great it is to have you back. Well, thank you, sir. I mean, honestly, there was a lot of people who, when you were uh, down and out, were very sad that, like, oh, man, that is one guy on the team. And our team is not that big. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That we cannot afford to lose. You know, so to have you come back and be so on it and looking good and and funny and you know brave as always man that is
0: what is this team is the question right what is aligning these people with each other i would say for the most part with guys like bill maher and jordan peterson it's free speech it's it's classical liberalism when it's able to be applied. They, if you watch the whole interview, they get into, Jordan basically gets into why he thinks the classical liberal experiment failed, that in rough times, it just doesn't really sort of operate in a functional way. But let's just set that aside for now. Maybe we'll get to it at another point. Um, but this, this team is interesting to me because you've got guys like Bill Maher and guys like Russell Brand. So Bill, let's say, is an old school liberal. Russell would be thought of as more of a leftist Then you've got Jordan Peterson, who now is thought solidly as a conservative, works with Ben Shapiro and Dennis Prager, who certainly are conservatives, but we're all kind of talking to each other. There's something interesting there. Bill had Russell Brand on the show not too long ago and said the same thing
4: to him. Well, I'm so media um, stupid.
5: It's Uh, it's essentially a competitor to YouTube, which has made its raison d'etre non-censorship that has been taken up initially by a lot of right uh, like you'd have to say r- right-wing uh, voices uh, but is doesn't have any skin in the game with regard to like all well, the kind of content that is put out except for that you continue to own your content and you know you can say what you want you can talk about what you want and like for me like freedom of speech doesn't mean freedom of speech to right. sort of condemn and criticize people it means freedom of speech you know, to I'm, attack establishment and look for ways to bring people together dave Rubin. dave rubens on there yeah i know dave's been on
4: it's not his company though, right? But he's
5: owned, I believe, locals, which is the sort of membership okay. aspect of Rumble, which yeah, is essentially been, like
4: YouTube. He's been here. Love, love. I love him. Yeah, he's a great guy. And yeah, and we don't agree politically. No, but, I, but we laugh about it. It's, it's, it's. Yeah, and the here's the problem with where we are. Media wise, as it, especially free speech. You know, as comics, we adore free speech. I, it's, it's my lifeblood. I couldn't be. Yeah. You know, I'm so grateful to the people who came before me who were martyrs for free speech you know it was no doubt in my mind who the champions of free speech were and and also the threat and the threat was all on the right yeah and the champions were all on the left and that's not how I feel now so when people say like oh why are you harder on the left well that's one of the big reasons I just mentioned Lenny Bruce so I'm going to say that that's a sign from the universe and by the way Dave Rubin's always trying to convince me about the universe which I find amusing but um I'm gonna pre- pretend there's such a thing as the universe, <laughs> <Just> <laughs> the messages and say that uh, Lenny Bruce, you know, he forgot to like be an entertainer because yeah. he was so passionate. Right. I don't want that to happen to you. I don't okay. think it will. It never has. You proved that, like, not just here, but on real time today. It was just like, you know, you bring it, man. And just uh, that's, you know, I don't know why I'm (laughs) anointing myself as the person to give you advice you probably don't need.
0: Okay, I know we're going heavy on Bill here, but I think you see what I'm painting for you, that this alliance, if you were to take guys like Bill Maher, Russell Brand, JFK Jr., who's in the mix, uh, sorry, RFK Jr., who's in the mix with these guys, Jordan Peterson, say Ron DeSantis, we'll get to him in just a second throw a little Dave Rubin, sprinkle a little Dave Rubin on top. Like, what is that? What is that politically? Are these, are these all conservatives? Are they all liberals? Like, but there's something there that is a little closer to the truth than any of the nonsense we are being pushed. So why did I throw Desantis's name in there? Not just because I'm a Florida man, uh, but also because uh, Governor DeSantis went on Russell Brand's podcast on Friday. Again, you've got what most would say is the most conservative red state governor in America, and lefty Russell Brand, and they have common cause.
5: Ron, when I was in Florida recently, I was struck by the amount of pride that Floridians have in their state, you appear to be universally endorsed by the population of Florida. I did stand-up comedy there, a lot of my stand-up was talking about measures taken in the pandemic where I live in the UK, and the broad and, I would say spookily ubiquitous response to the pandemic in most places in the world, except, one might contest, in Florida, I'm sure that, that the sense of state pride that Floridians have is a source of great joy to you. I wonder how you came to the position of confidence in taking a stance that was antithetic, antithetical to the stance taken elsewhere in America.
6: Well I'm glad you noticed that. I was born and raised in Florida and while I've always loved the state, we didn't have the same type of pride growing up that say people in Texas have about Texas. And yet in the last few years, particularly since I've been governor, we've developed that pride. And I think a lot of it's rooted in the fact uh, that we told people like Fauci to take a hike during COVID. Uh, We were going to do it our way. We were going to be the free state of Florida. And obviously that meant people had a right to work, right to operate businesses. Kids needed to be in school. Uh, We fought back against mandates, both in terms of not letting local governments impose mask mandates, not letting government or business impose COVID vaccine mandates. So in every step of the way, we were uh, really leading.
0: Okay, again, you've got lefty, like lefty, lefty, Russell Brand and Ron DeSantis agreeing on what freedom is. Now, they might disagree in other ways on what the government's supposed to do related to certain things, say the environment, whatever it might be. But again, this wide swath of people Russell Brand, Bill Maher over here, Jordan Peterson, Ron DeSantis over here, and and I would say the vast, uh, the vast, wide swath of Americans are right in between those things, and that's what we need to be drawing more people to, right? It's not to change anyone's religious beliefs, it's not to change, it's actually not to change anyone's mind on anything other than to understand there's a... there is a country of about 350 million people here, we've done it pretty damn well for 200 plus years, and we're on the precipice of throwing it away unless we're able to have these conversations and fight the real problem, which right now, the real problem is the swamp, whether it's just purely the DC swamp or it's the media elite corporate press, that's the swamp, and Russell and the governor talked about that as well.
6: You still have people today, Fauci and the like, they think that what they did was right they think that these lockdowns worked and so my fear is if this happens in the future a lot of these people are going to want to do the same thing again so one of the things i pledged as president and i think i'm the only one running on the republican side who will be willing to do this we're going to bring a reckoning to this health bureaucracy and this medical swamp because these agencies like cdc nih fda they failed the american people they become corrupted and they did a lot of damage with these unscientific anti-freedom policies.
5: Well, that's pretty heartening to hear. In retrospect, your stance increasingly seems to have been the correct one. And that's interesting and exciting, in fact, to hear you talk about a reckoning.
0: Interesting, because if you listen to my interview with RFK Jr. from a couple weeks ago, or if you've listened to virtually anything that RFK Jr., who's the renegade Democrat right now, He sounds an awful lot like the governor of Florida, the Republican governor of Florida. Again, there is a lane for all of these people. We got to figure out what that looks like. This
5: episode is brought to you by Shopify, whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer.
0: I'll even go further now and show you how some of this realignment is happening, uh, because v- Vivek Ramaswamy, and I've had some issues with Vivek. I basically like him. He's. I think he's been a little... Uh, some of his stuff with DeSantis seems a bit much like there's some coordination with Trump. Okay, fine. That's just, that's just internal politics, but he went on the all in podcast. Now the all in podcast, three of the hosts are pretty much Democrats. I think they call themselves Democrats. And then you've got David Sachs, who is the more conservative uh, of all of them. And they started talking about populism and why it's the movement populism. That's the thing I'm talking about right now. That's bringing all of these people together.
1: What you call populism. I don't, <clears throat> excuse me i don't i don't, I don't like this by the way just to be clear i think that it's, it's just imprecise
3: it's a rapper that tries to catch too many things and it doesn't catch any of them enough so yeah yeah don't you think I, yeah. what
6: you're calling yeah. populism is actually a failure of our elites isn't mm-hmm. that what's going on we saw during yes. COVID that all the health authorities did a horrible job the cdc and the nih it turns out they were funding gain function research which may have caused COVID. Uh, in the first place. They were doing experiments on bat viruses. Which almost certainly did cause. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, we keep finding out that the elites who are supposed to be running the country and running these institutions are doing an absolutely horrible job. That's what the reaction is against. Then people come along and label up populism and say it's going to lead to fascism. It's like, come on. That is a way of protecting the people in power from accountability for the horrible job they're doing. It's well said. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Okay, so that was obviously more Sachs than Vivek, but Sachs lays it out perfectly what the problem is and how they try to scare you into ever finding a solution. Uh, I credit Vivek for sitting down with these guys. This is the point. This is the point. Again, he fits within that lane as well. Now let's go a little bit more to what Vivek was laying out as the alternative vision to all the nonsense we've been dealing with.
3: This thing that I'm calling woke is turning into, which is a more broader kind of Social, psychological issue that we're all grappling with. Right. How it's now leached its way into politics. It's leached its way into nonprofits. It's leached its way into corporate America, into for profits, into the military, into government, et cetera. Obviously, since that was published, it has now become this hot term that has different meaning for different people. And it can be pretty inciting in terms of how people react yeah, to it. I appreciate you so, saying so, yeah. that, Dave.
1: Yeah. I appreciate you saying that, Dave, because. My, my net prescription is actually we dilute not just wokeism. I mean, that's just part of the story. We dilute secular religions, the rise of secular religions, right. And, and there, I don't call them even religions, because the religion has withstood the test of time, a cult has not but the rise of modern secular cults, we dilute them to irrelevance by filling that void with an alternative vision. And so, you know, if one political camp might offer race and gender and sexuality and climate, as a prescription for the void, I think where conservatives fall badly short is by simply being anti those things without actually offering an alternative vision of our own. And I am aiming certainly to do that in this if campaign. You were family race and yeah. gender
3: and these kind of things. What would be your uh, you know qualities or things
6: to focus on?
1: So, so let's do like a little face off right individual yeah, sure. uh, talk, talk about race, gender, sexuality, climate I pair them up against individual, family, nation, god okay
0: All right, so there's something there, right It makes sense individuals, family, god, nation these are these are all the ideas that built this thing this thing which again, for 250 ish years has worked really well, and it's only in the last decade that we've really seen it kind of grind into what this cultural chaos that we're all dealing with right now so now if you take this wide swath again you take a bunch of guys who are democrats on that show except for david sachs sitting down with vivek an absolute conservative russell brand sitting down russell brand lefty sitting down with desantis opposite ends of the spectrum but both believe in freedom maybe they believe a little bit differently on how to get there that's usually what it's about Peterson and Marr, like Marr telling Peterson, man, I'm so happy you're back. It's like, you guys are definitely going to vote in different ways. And that's a, that's a problem, right? Maybe that's why we need some more choices. But I would say at this point, I've illustrated what this thing is, right? So you're with me. Let's hope, hopefully you're roughly with me that there's this, this lane that we can kind of all get in, right? And it's not fully based on politics. It's culturally anti-woke. We all get that. But but who is the opposition to this thing? Like, where is it really coming from when we talk about the elites and the corporations and everything else? Well, now I'd like to show you a video that I saw on Twitter uh, that somebody spliced together of Disney, the Disney corporation that that Ron DeSantis guy was smacking around not too long ago, then versus now. And I think you'll sort of capture how we lose control of our own culture over time. Take a look.
7: The flag stands for us as a group of people being united and being with each
5: other in a time of need. This country was built on slavery, which means slaves slaves built this country. The flag means everything to me. It means life, it means freedom, it also means unity, and it means We, the descendants of slaves in America, have earned reparations for their suffering. And continue to earn reparations every moment we spend submerged in the systemic prejudice, racism, and white supremacy. supremacy. All the flags, you know, you ride down the street, and it makes you feel connected, like we're in this together. We celebrate Juneteenth. For the umpteenth time. time. Our account is still outstanding. Because this country was built on slavery, which means slaves built this country.
0: country so now do you see what we're all railing against Uh, connor just made a uh, just made a great point which is the clips of that several of those clips are from the show proud family which tells you so the new ones and the old ones so in the old days proud family same show uh when it was real people uh, it was you know america's good and oh it unites us and then now it became an animated show and look what they're talking about so you see how we lose control of these things and They aim it at children because they're going for the generations whose minds are malleable, who they can basically turn them into walking zombies of woke lunacy. But it continues. This is super interesting. Uh, As you may know, they're remaking, Disney is remaking Snow White. This video is actually from September of 22. Uh, The actress who will be playing Snow White, her name is Rachel Zegler. She was interviewed with Wonder Woman. What's Wonder Woman's name? Gal Gadot. Uh, on a red carpet and they were asking her about this new, what this new character is going to be like.
4: You said you were bringing a modern edge to it on stage. What do you mean by that?
3: I just mean that it's no longer 1937, and we absolutely wrote a Snow White that is— She's not going to be saved by the prince. She's not going to be saved by the prince, and she's not going to be dreaming about true love. She's dreaming about becoming the leader she knows she can be, and the leader that her late father told her that she could be if she was fearless, fair, brave, and true. And so it's just a really incredible story for, I think, young people everywhere to see themselves in.
2: Snow
0: White is running for president.
3: (laughs) I'm launching my campaign.
0: Okay, so you may be watching that and go, well, there's nothing really wrong with that. There's no, nothing wrong with a girl thinking that she can go be fearless and lead the world and all of those things. And of course you are right. So what's the problem? Well, what do you have to do? You got to peel that layer and then just look a little bit deeper and then you figure out what's wrong with it. There is nothing wrong with the story in the first place. The idea that this girl met the prince, accomplished her dreams, fell in love, blah, blah, blah. So instead of destroying everything that is old, destroying Snow White, We saw that the seven dwarfs are no longer dwarfs. You got rapey and dopey and moron and angry and all the rest of them. Instead of destroying everything from the past, which the woke are extremely good at doing, how about you just create a new story? Why didn't Disney just create a new story with a great, strong, interesting female lead and, and make it everything that the actress would like it to be if, that, if that's the right way to go about doing it. And by the way, you can make stories like that and you can make stories about a traditional princess, et cetera, et cetera. But they try to destroy everything. And then once all of the stuff, all of our stories, you, you rampage through the, the biblical stories, you rampage through all of our cultural stories, whether it's Disney movies or Star Wars or whatever, any of the stuff that can bring any of us together, Music. We'll get to that in just a moment. Once you destroy all of that, well, then we have nothing else that brings us together, and then you wonder why everybody's looking at everybody, going, "Oh, you're black, you're gay." Ah, problem. It's a problem. So let's get to this other thing that's going on as relate as this relates to culture. Uh, in this case, music. Uh, so you may have heard the whole brouhaha about country star Jason Aldean. Uh, he, well, let me read this this long tweet of. Uh, re- That'll explain what's going on. The whole thing's so stupid. Here we go. Uh, In the past 24 hours, I have been accused of releasing a pro-lynching song, a song that has been out since May and was subject to the comparison that I, direct quote, was not too pleased with the nationwide BLM protest. These references are not only meritless, but dangerous. There is not a single lyric in the song that references race or points to it, and there isn't a single video clip that isn't real news footage. And while I can try and respect others to have their own interpretation of a song with music, this one goes too far. As so many pointed out, I was present at Route 91 where so many lost their lives, and our community recently suffered another heartbreaking tragedy. No one, including me, wants to continue to see senseless headlines or families ripped apart. Try that in a small town for me refers to the feeling of a community that I had growing up where we took care of our neighbors, regardless of differences of background or belief, because they were our neighbors and that was above any differences my political views have never my political views have never been something i've hidden from and i know that a lot of us in this country don't agree on how we get back to a sense of normalcy where we at least go a day without a headline that keeps us up at night but the desire for it too but the desire for it too that's what this song is about okay so in essence the guy puts out a song back in may nobody cared about it for months or it was doing perfectly fine, right? Like it was doing just fine, but nobody thought of it as controversial. Then out of nowhere, it becomes this super controversial thing and he's a racist and he should be canceled and all of this other craziness. And listen to the way the main, it's very obvious, this guy is not a racist, right? We've been through this, guys, right? Like rinse and repeat, we've been through this before. Someone says something that is roughly true. You get told you're a racist and a misogynist and a transphobe and a homophobe and everything else. But watch the way the mainstream media is treating this story here are the well I'll put up the warning here are the crazy women at the view and here's whoopi and no whoopi doesn't even know what she's to watch the way she's reading this thing she doesn't even know what she's saying or why she's outraged but she'll say it
7: so country singer jason Dean is getting backlash for the video of his song not in a small town which critics are saying is racist got lyrics, racist lyrics, and images. Aldean says the song's about unity. Listen, listen, you know, there are lyrics in the song and I think, you know, he talks about life in a small town and it's different, you know, and he shows these images. He's got uh, folks uh, from the Black Lives Matter movement and he's talking about people taking care of each other and i find it so interesting that never occurred to jason or the writers that that's what these folks were doing they were taking care of the people in their town because they didn't like what they saw just like you talk about people taking care of each other in small towns we do the same thing in big towns you just have to realize that when you make it about black lives matter people kind of say well are you are you talking about black people what are you talking
4: about man
0: it's just such a damn shame because i really did love her as an actress i say it all the time right like ghost and sister act and like all that stuff she was so great she has no idea what she's talking about she's never listened to the song i just read the statement from the guy also what is she talking about that the people in essence she's saying oh the people in the big cities who burned down the cities it was because they were taking care of their communities tell that to the people at Foot Locker and pet boys you know what i mean it's like what it's just nonsense it's like pure nonsense to pretend that he's racist because he grew up in a place where they took care of each other which is what we should all want, right? It's why you should move to a community that is somewhat in line with your values. It's why big city life is so frayed at the moment because you have no, because people have no connection with each other. Even when I lived in New York City, I lived in a you know, small, I don't know, five-story walk-up. You had like three other apartments on the same floor. 10 years living in the same apartment, barely knew anybody. Like you'd say hi to somebody, maybe usually you ignore them and I didn't know anyone's name. It's like, I know all my neighbors' names here. It, it's just different and it's and it's reality, but she's somehow framing it. Somehow they were protecting their community by burning the whole thing down and looting and taking all those flat screen TVs and all that. Uh, but don't worry, I don't want to be too harsh on Whoopi because you know I've laid out who I think the best and worst hosts of The View are. They're all bad. Uh, but Sonny Hostin, She's even worse and here she goes.
7: And unfortunately, this became the number 1 song on US iTunes. We have a problem in this country about race and the biggest problem is we refuse to admit that it exists. Well, don't you think well, that a lot the of the, a lot of this that's big city it, yeah. small town businesses racist, is about race. The cities have yes, more black people it. than the small well, towns, it,
0: it, These people are so incredibly stupid. First off, uh, as Brock pointed out to me, saying something is number one on iTunes is a completely ridiculous stat because who's using iTunes to buy music anymore? I have not bought a song a decade. You guys, you guys are young kids. You're out there on the computer and everything. When's, Daphne, when's the last time you bought a song? Bought. Ever? Have you ever bought a song in your life? Ten years ago, Connor? Uh, ten years ago, Phoenix? Ten years ago. Brock? Over ten. Over 10 years ago, nobody buys music anymore. You have Spotify, you have Apple Music, whatever app you're using. So the idea that it's number one, it doesn't mean it's sold a ton. And it certainly doesn't mean that people were buying the song because they're racist, right? Like it's just brainless. And, and then Whoopi again, trying to just associate everything to black people live in cities and white people live in the suburbs. You know, there are black farmers, Whoopi. Uh, joy, ugh, ugh joy, uh, but well, continue with joy. Well, here we go.
7: But he has to understand that the big cities are supporting the small towns. Seventy Blue counties are responsible for 70% of America's economy. The big cities are really providing the things that you have in these small towns. You should not be against
0: big cities. Joy, have you ever put food in that feed bag, because you know where the food comes? It doesn't come from the cities. It comes from those suburban areas. It comes from the farms. It comes from those places that you never go to, right? That's where it, I used to live right two blocks away from you on the Upper West. I, I remember, Joy, you think we were doing a lot of farming over there? It's so insane. Yes, there's a lot of economic activity. There's a lot of trade, right, that's going on in the cities. People are buying a lot of crap in the cities, that is true. But the, if which one's going to go down first and which one would survive? Zombie apocalypse, the aliens show up tomorrow, all hell's breaking loose. The cities go down immediately. It's the people out there in the suburbs who grow food for themselves, who have a little bit of land, who can protect themselves, who aren't reliant on the system. You have everything backwards, you joyless dullard. But it's, the point is, they're not just going after people on the right. Now let's link this to what I started the show with. When when you watch people on The View, they're not just going after people on the right, and they're not just going after the perceived racists like Jason Aldean, who is not racist. They're also going after every moderate Democrat, and sometimes they're doing that in in the most vicious possible way because they represent the biggest threat, right? So obviously, you can see where I'm going with this. Uh, RFK Jr., Uh, he's testified a couple days ago on misinformation at Congress uh, and he talked about how the Democrat administration run by the elderly man pretending to be president, Joe Biden, has been treating him.
2: I was censored not just by the Democratic administration. I was censored by the Trump administration. I was the first person censored by, the, as the chairman pointed out, by the Biden administration two days after it came into office. YouTube deplatformed me. I didn't talk about vaccines in that speech. I didn't talk about anything that could be it was a verboten subject. I just was talking about my campaign and the things, the conversation that we ought to be having with each other as Americans. But I was shut down, and that is why the First Amendment's important. Debate, congenial, respectful debate, is the, is the fertilizer, it's the water, it's the sunlight for our democracy. We need
0: to be talking to each other. Ain't that beautiful and ain't that the truth? And ain't that exactly what Bill Maher was saying to Jordan Peterson? Ain't that, in essence, what Russell Brand was saying to Ron DeSantis? And there are certain people that are doing just that. And then the counter to that is what they are doing on The View. The counter to that is what they are doing when they're trying to cancel country singers and everything else. But I want to also link this to how the corporate press Not just what you're seeing on TV, but if you're old school and you're reading a newspaper or you're looking online at the New York Times, which used to be all the news that's fit to print, and now it is just an absolute Pravda-level propaganda outlet. Listen, there was a piece they were covering, the RFK Jr. uh, appearance at Congress. Listen to this line. I saw this from Ashley Rinsberg, who's uh, been on the show before, uh, who wrote a great book about how terrible things are at the New York Times. Listen to this line that was in an actual, this is not in an op-ed. This is in an actual article in the New York Times uh, about free speech. Despite the theater, the hearing raised thorny questions about free speech in a democratic society. Is misinformation protected by the First Amendment? When is it appropriate for the government to seek to tamp down on the spread of falsehoods? Leave that up for just a second, Connor, because I can answer it fairly quickly. Is misinformation protected by the First Amendment? Yes. When is it appropriate for the federal government to seek to tamp down on the spread of falsehoods? Never. Never. See, fixed it, done. Guess we could wrap it up today. But that is what, that is the seed. When RFK talks about sunlight as the best disinfectant, right? And be able to talk about things and let's see how the truth can actually set us free. They're trying to to actually starve the seed of nutrition and of water. They don't want you to question anything because if you start questioning anything, you might realize that the swamp and the Democrats and all of these people are in it to control you, not to free you. Here's a bit more uh, from Democrats trying to censor RFK at a censorship hearing.
2: Every statement that you just made about me is inaccurate. At one point you say I'm anti-vax and that's a bad thing. The other thing, (laughs) the other moment you point out that all my children are vax. I took flu vaccines for 20 years straight. I have never been anti-vax. These are defamations and malignancies that are used to censor me, to prevent people from listening to the actual things that I'm saying. Trusting the experts is not a function of science. It's not a function of democracy. It's a function of religion and totalitarianism, and it does not make for a healthier population.
7: Mm. Well, I move that we move into executive session because Mr. Kennedy has repeatedly made despicable anti-Semitic and anti-Asian comments.
3: Is it the custom of this committee to censor viewpoints that we disagree with from witnesses? Mr. Chairman, I have a motion
2: on the table. This is an attempt to censor a censorship hearing. The the, the charges, and, as, and, and by the way, Censorship is antithetical to our party. It was, it was appalling to my father, to my uncle, to FDR, to Harry Truman, to Thomas Jefferson. We have to stop trying to destroy each other, to marginalize, to vilify, to gaslight each other. We have to find a place inside of ourselves of light, of empathy, of compassion.
0: And he's trying. He's trying. You think it's easy to do what he's doing again, whether I agree with him or disagree with him. And in my interview, we disagreed on a bunch of stuff, right? We disagree on affirmative action. That was very clear, that's just one example. But you think it's easy to do what he's doing, to get up there and sit with these people under oath and they lie about you and they try to stop you from speaking at a censorship hearing as in essence all you're saying is can we talk about these things can we question these things just because pharmaceutical s- companies say something or the NIH say something that does not mean it is true it does not mean it is fact can we talk about that and they trying to cut him off they're trying to cut him off who are the good guys and who are the bad guys again put aside whoever you're thinking of voting for next time around put aside whether you usually vote Republican or you usually vote Democrat. Like there is something else brewing right now. And I I don't know exactly what we do with it, but if we can piece this thing together, it can become something really, really important and powerful that will transcend politics. Uh, So let's go a little bit more linking this all together, piecing this all together. Uh, Here is RFK Jr. on Lex Friedman's podcast, uh, responding to uh, a, a piece that Jordan Peterson was talking about, about uniting and uh, where we can go from here.
2: Let me ask you a question from Jordan Peterson that he asked uh, when I told him that I'm speaking with you. Uh, Given everything you've said, when does the left go too far? I suppose he's referring to cultural issues, identity politics. Well, you know, Jordan trying to get me to badmouth the left the whole time I was, in. I, I, really, <laughs> I really enjoyed my my uh, my talk with him. Yeah, but he seemed to have that agenda where he wanted yeah. me to you know say bad things about the left, and I just um you know that's not what my campaign is about. I want to do the opposite. Oh, I'm not going to badmouth the left. They try, I, you know. I was on uh, a show uh, this week with. Yes. David Remnick from the New Yorker, and he tried to get me to badmouth Donald Trump, and you know, and Alex Jones, and a lot of other people, just and and baiting me to do it. And of course, there's a lot of bad things I could say about all those people, but it doesn't. You know, I'm trying to find I'm trying to find values that hold us together that we can share in common, rather than to focus constantly on these disputes and these issues that drive us apart i really want to figure out ways that you know what do these groups hold in common that we can all you know have a shared vision of what we want this country to look like
0: you know it's interesting because i obviously agree the whole purpose of today's show was that i agree with the spirit of that i actually think you have to do both i I get why rfk he doesn't want to just sit there and lambast trump left and right and he also doesn't want to sit there and lambast the left all day I think you sort of have to do both. Or we all, everyone has different roles in this and everything else, right? Like I tell you what I think for a living every day, so I'm talking about why it's crazy what the corporate press is doing and what AOC or The View or all those things. I think you do have to call that out. And then also at the same time show that there are much bigger things that bring us together. That was the purpose of all of this. So it's not about about relentlessly hitting your political opponent. I would say it's about hitting your cultural opponent, right? And and sometimes that's a specific person just saying something stupid like Sonny Hostin, but more so it's attacking their terrible ideas. Because if we can do that, if we can do that, we can get over this thing that we are stuck in. I, it's still, it's murky to see that in the future, but I know we can get past it. And now to go full circle on today's program, how about one more from Bill and one more from this Dave Rubin guy? This is back in Last September, man, almost a year ago, talking about just that.
4: The bottom line is the fact that you and I or have these differences and don't it's like it doesn't matter it doesn't, it doesn't matter, doesn't matter. it doesn't so, matter i'm so, so glad so you so like say that bill predictably within the parameter yes. of two human beings the odds the odds that two human beings would see everything exactly the same way How so, pathetic and, so and annoying and, and gross. ridiculous yeah. and ridiculous yeah. so the fact that you know we both fall within the Thirty-yard line of each side. Is like, it's like it's. How could you expect more than that, or even care that it's not more than that, or not love the person? I,
0: I hear you, brother. <laughs> all right. That's all. I. That's all I all can right. say about that. I hear you, brother. What I, I would like to do more than anything else, honestly. I'd like to shoot hoops with you at some point. Let's, I, and, I can't tell you how. I don't care about I don't care that. I me truly mean that. I don't care about the differences. And I know this, you don't either.
4: I've said this before on this podcast. I'm going to say it again. Since this whole thing started. Can I take off my shoes now? Like I Because then I'd feel really at home. Killing it with guys. <laughs> <laughs> I am making so I many I ga- guys. I, I am so many guy friends now yeah. that I didn't have before. And I'm glad you're one of them. Because uh, this was super fucking fun. But it's over now.
0: That's it, now I got it. Oh, sorry Bill, I have to get on the plane and ring the bell. (laughs) You get it, you got it. Phoenix, I think we put together a fine program today. I'm very proud of all you people in this room. I think we made some sense here and let's see if we can now, I don't know, blueprint that sense across disciplines, across media, across the political divide. I don't know what it means exactly, right? Like these people will still end up voting in different ways, I accept that. Most likely Bill Maher, well, Jordan Peterson's not a citizen of the United States, but if he was, like they'd probably vote in opposite ways. Okay, there's something to think about there, but you got it. Russell Brand, also not a citizen of the United States, but I'm pretty sure if he was here, he would vote for Ron DeSantis. Like, but the voting part is not really the thing. There's something else. I think we're on it. Guys, it's Monday, which means it's meme Monday over at the Ruben Report Locals community. Here's what I put up this is the, the Ukraine war uh, summed up quite. <laughs> Ukraine just bashing its head over, and the US just helping it beat its head relentlessly, we had to cut the audio on this one because it was copyrighted. Guys, we got a post-game show for you right now at rubenreport.locals.com. My full interview with Liz Wheeler is up. Is part one up uh, on the other platforms there? It'll be up this afternoon, right? Full is up on Locals. Full is up. Oh, full's up everywhere. Liz Wheeler, everywhere. Uh, We leave you with a little, we're not doing something funny on the way out. We're leaving you with just pure wisdom and heartfelt knowledge from JP, and we'll see everybody on the other side. Ciao.
3: What's real? Matter. It's like, okay, that's one answer. What's real? What matters is real. That's how you act. That's different than matter. What's the most real of what matters? How about pain? Why is it the most real? Try arguing it away. So pain is the fundamental reality. Doesn't that lead to nihilism and hopelessness? Yeah, doesn't it lead to a philosophy that's antithetical towards being? The most fundamental reality is pain yes is there anything more fundamental than pain love really if you're in pain love and truth that's what you got and you know if they're more powerful than pain maybe they're the most real things because if you're a scientist a materialist think well The matter is the most real. It's like, well, you don't know what the matter is. When push comes to shove, and it will, you'll find out what's most real.